series. There's one that I might preach at some point, but this is about just finishing in the blessings in Ephesians chapter 1. You're getting a handout right now. I encourage you to do that. There's a front page, and then it says at the bottom, continued on the back. So places to fill in the blanks or scripture references are in there and a couple of comments from this sermon today. So I encourage you to use that. I want to review the blessings that we've talked about the last couple of weeks. The first one is God has made, has chosen us to be holy and blameless. That was a message in and of itself. Second blessing, God has adopted us into his family. In fact, the scripture says, as his own children. Blessing number three is you are, we are, I am, we are redeemed and forgiven. Blessing number four is that God has shown us the mystery of his will. Who's Jesus Christ? And we talked about that last week. So what is blessing number five? This is on your handout. You can fill it in right there. I am chosen for an inheritance. How many want to be, are you glad? You know what an inheritance means. Y'all are thinking about, yeah, man, I'm going to get me some money. <laughs> That's what we think about when we think about inheritance, and it's okay. I am chosen for an inheritance. Ephesians 1, 11, and 12. In him we have obtained an, an inheritance. In fact, in other translations it says we have been chosen for an inheritance. Having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. There could be a tremendous message. Maybe one day I will just preach on the praise of the glory. What that means, what that is. We'll talk about it a little bit today. But now here we go again. We talk about that word came up, so I'm going to say, we, we, our choice and God's choice. We talked about it in the first week of this series, and it's good to talk about it again. Our choice is to look for hope in Christ. Okay? That's our choice. To look for hope in Christ instead of all the other places we can look for hope in. That the world tells us we can't. There's dozens of them. There may be hundreds of them. Don't know, but it, it, there's so many. But our choice needs to be to listen to the Word of God. Our choice needs to be to listen to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our choice needs to be to believe God, to believe Him, that He has given us His Word, He's given us this Word, live our lives and to help us with instruction and teaching. We have to believe that. The Bible is clear, if you look at it all the way through, that God has given us that choice. And that's the choice we need to make. You know, God's going to hold us responsible, whether we like it or not, <laughs> for that choice. He's going to hold us responsible. He's going to hold you responsible. He's going to hold me responsible. It's... Uh, it's just the way it is. He's going to hold us responsible because he's given us that choice. So the thing is, do I trust him or do I trust myself? To do the best thing for my life, do I trust him or do I trust myself? Because God also has a choice. You see, he has a choice, but God's choice in this whole equation of our free will and his sovereignty and the things we talked about in week one God's choice is the one that really counts. This is the one that matters the most because our choice would mean nothing if God hadn't made the choice he made. And God chooses, listen to this now, God chooses us 
to be in Jesus Christ. That's his choice for us. So the whole idea, I mean, the Bible's clear about that, too. You can look it up and we can talk about that. But the whole idea about this idea that we are predestined or is it human choice or which way, how do we get to know God? How do we get to meet God? We get to know God and we get to meet God. Here's why. All that other stuff is important to talk about, but here's why. It's because Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. He died on the cross for me. That's the reason. That's, that's all that needs to know because we will get to know God and we will get to meet God because of Jesus Christ. That's exciting. We also get to know God because of God's choice. He made a choice to love us. He proved that love in many other ways, but he certainly proved it when he sent Jesus. When he sent him to earth to live a sinless life, he was no sin became sin for us. So the idea of my life being predestined or, and, and me having a choice, these are two truths, I believe. Jake and I were talking about this last week a little bit. I mean, they're, they're, two, they're two truths that have to be believed. Both of them have to be believed, but they must be balanced. It's really important, I think, to hear this, guys, in case you ever get into these thoughts or conversations about what's in Ephesians 1 and in a couple of other places in Scripture. If you lean too far one way in one of these truths, it can become what we would call fatalism. Fatalism is, uh, it doesn't matter what I do. God's already made the choice for me. I'm going to be lost or I'm going to be found, so whatever I do doesn't matter. That is not the way to live. <laughs> it is not God's way to live. It's not God's plan to live. the other way, you can lean too far the other way, and that can become what we would know as humanism. Well, I can make all the decisions. I'm in control of my life. I can do whatever I want. I just said, my way is the best way. I know all the circumstances. I'm going to do it myself. No. <laughs> That's humanism. <laughs> but here's the thing. Those are choices we're talking about, but it's God's choice that made the difference. God's choice made the difference. He allows us, he allows me to be a part of that choice he made. To be a part of the family of God. To accept Jesus, to be in Christ. So, it's God's choice. And what he did in that choice is what he did for us in Jesus Christ. That's what we need to focus on. That's the main idea. That's the main thing. Keep our eyes focused on that and everything will work out in all the other discussions. So that's what this verse is about. It's about the fact that you and I, all of us, equally, by the way, if we're in Christ, equally, we are chosen by God for an inheritance. And man, how great is that? So God has poured out his blessings on this earth. Whether you recognize it or not, if you don't recognize it, then you need to then what you need to do is lean in a little more to living for God. We'll just tell you. God has poured out his blessings on this earth, and there is an incredible inheritance waiting for us in heaven. Now, there's a, on your sheet, you'll see on the handout, original Greek for the word chosen means actually chosen possession or chosen as an inheritance, both actually. And that's a question that some people have. I mean, I, read, I was reading something, and it was talked a great deal about this. It says, does this mean that I am chosen for an inheritance, or am I chosen 
that's who you are. That's who I am. I can find a part of my identity in that, my identity in Christ, that I'm chosen. And God has, I believe, done both of these things for us. You are a chosen possession. You'll see this on your sheet. You're a chosen possession, and as a chosen possession, you have an inheritance waiting in heaven. Now, there's more to that. There's the idea that in a sense, in a way, in a sense, you are, we are the inheritance. We are the inheritance. Now, listen to this. You're chosen as God's own possession. Now, if you're just a normal human being, and I think we got some normal human beings in here today, don't we? I'll exclude myself from that list. Many of you that know me are going, yeah, yeah, that's right, baby. If you're not on that list. If you're a normal human being, what would you get to give God? What, what, would, you, what would you do? What gift would you give him? You think about it. I mean, what could you possibly do? He owns everything. He created everything. He has a cattle on a thousand hills, the scripture says. What could you, what could you, what could you purchase, if you would? What could you give God to thank him for all? Be just to, to express your gratitude and how grateful you are for all the things he's done for you. What would you give him? Well, let me tell you what I think about this. I have a hard time figuring out what I'm going to get Christina for Christmas. Much less that question. <laughs> I don't know how am I going to get anything for her, man. I mean, some people, have you met people in your life, most of you have, that are hard to give gifts to because you just don't know what you've got to give them and they have so many things, whatever it might be. But seriously, what could you get God? You can't get him really anything. And so here's what you can do. You can recognize this. You can recognize that you can give him recognize that you can give him your heart. You can give him your heart. And Matthew twenty two thirty seven says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. There are many as the most, one of the great, the great commandments, by the way, one of the two great commandments, that, love the Lord your God. There are other places in the scripture that says, love him with all your strength and all your might. Basically saving loving with all you have, that's what you can give God. That's what He that's what that's the kind of gift you can give Him. And then you'll find this on your sheet. And when you give Him your heart, when you give Him your heart, you are recognizing that you are that you are chosen as an inheritance, as an inheritance, to live out the life that God made you.
say, I know beyond any shadow of a doubt that everyone in here has experienced that at one time or another. No matter how popular you were, no matter how anything, you have experienced that. You know what it means to be included, and you know what it means to be excluded. Something that happens when, when you felt like you were on the out when others were in. I was scrolling on social media the other day. First mistake. <laughs> I gotta be, we all do it sometimes. This is my, this is my, uh, this is my nonverbal gesture for scrolling on social media. Just a minute. I'm scrolling on social media and I come across this thing. It was a list that said, who's in and who's out. It was about celebrities, you know, one of those things, the ads that come up. So I clicked on it. <laughs> I clicked on it because of this message, by the way. I would never click on that any other time. I could care less. But they said, who's in and who's out? And they had whoever it was. There's a TV show I watch at the end of the show. That I, once a week, they'll do something called Winners and Losers. And they ask these little uh, pundits or people that they got there commenting on the news of the day. And they'll say, for this week, who is your winner and who is your loser? It's like we're always trying to figure that out. Who's the winner, who's the loser, who's in and who's out? Who's on the, you know, there was another thing that I saw when I went to that link, by the way. It was something that was, a, what, it was called what's out, what's hot, and what's not. Like, what's in, what's out. Like, the other day I asked my daughter, she used to say, hey, what's up, home slice? Now, for any of you who've never heard that term, that's okay. I know I see a few young people that are smiling, like, hey, yeah, 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 I know what home slice is. Well, I didn't know what it was until after it was pretty much already gone. <laughs> So my daughter's in there, and I said, Jessica, is home slice in or out? She goes, out. <laughs> out. And so then after that, I called her home slice for the rest of the day, just to mess with her a little bit. But, I mean, so I don't claim to be up on all the latest things, but the point is, that's it. Who's in, who's out? There was another thing uh, that, that, that they interviewed me for one time, and I don't think I ever made it into it, but a couple people in our company got interviewed for it. It's a, a thing called Marquise. Uh, who in America. It's been around for over 100 years. They publish a book and all this stuff, whatever. Anyway, there's a lot of people in it. And uh, uh, who's who in America? So all of these things. Here's what I want you to listen to very carefully about what I'm going to say right now. Now, part of this is going to be on your handout in just a second. If you're not in the who's who, who cares? Who cares? God doesn't. Because you're in his who's who, see? I said, you're in the who's who that matters. We're in the who's who that matters. And this is what's on your handout. You can write this down. Because you are his who are loved. Because you are his who are chosen. Because you are his who are included. Folks, you're included. And that's what matters in life. That's what matters in life on this earth, is that we are included in Christ. And I'm going to tell you, in fact, this is all this series has been about, and I know I've said it a lot, this is about our identity in Christ, seeing ourselves as he sees us, who we are in Jesus Christ, our identity in him, not what everything else is. And it's easy, very easy, to fall out of our identity in Christ, folks. You know why? Because you are swimming in a world of alternate identities. All around you every day, every magazine, every commercial, every TV show, every anything, anything, anything. What people say, how people judge you, all of that, it, is, it doesn't matter if it's about wealth or 
realize you can't breathe without help, you know you're not in your world, you're in their world. And that's what it is. It's like you've got to, when you're in swimming in these alternate identities, you've got to find a way to get the air. And a scuba diver, if it's an apparatus or if it's a snorkeler where a little pipe goes up and you get the air because you can't breathe the water. So in a spiritual context, the air you breathe is the truth of who Jesus Christ is. The air you breathe is the truth of how he sees you. That's who you are. Don't let the alternate identities get a hold of you. But it's easy. So all of these blessings we've been discussing in Ephesians 1 are blessings because of who we are in Christ and because of who Jesus Christ is. That's why that's, that's what the, the blessings are because of that. So I'm going to recap one more time. We've got seven Blessing number one, God has chosen us to be holy and blameless. Blessing two, God has adopted us into his family. Blessing three, he has has redeemed and forgiven us. Blessing four, he's shown to us the mystery of his will. Blessing five, you are chosen as an inheritance. And blessing six, you are, I am, we are included, we're on the inside in Christ. Blessing number seven, the last one is this. It's on your sheet. Blessing number seven, because, now again, this is a big, important thing, because of who we are and who we have the right to be, by the way, who we are entitled to be because of Christ. Because of who we are in Jesus Christ, I have the guarantee of the Holy Spirit. And this is something I really want you guys to hear. And as we're doing this, I'm going to ask our men to pass out these little envelopes. They're going to look like this. I'm going to ask you, and everybody, please cooperate with me on this. Do not open these now. Okay, please. Just hold it, have it, and just look at it at the back of it if you want. But please do not open these now. So, God's Spirit, and many of you know this because you've experienced it in a real and powerful way, God's Spirit in my life is a blessing. It's a bl- people think blessings like, like, well, you know, yeah, I'm blessed, but I, I, got, I got enough money to buy stuff, or, or I've got the things I need. That sometimes people confuse that. I'm not saying that those aren't blessings, and that God doesn't choose to bless you that way. That's fine. But, but, but really, you think about it, God's spirit in your life is the biggest blessing you'll ever have. He's blessed us with that. Okay? Ephesians 1, the second half of verse 13 and 14. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise, there it is again, to the praise of his glory. Let's unpack this verse. A lot of stuff in there. But it says about two specific things about our identity and what the Holy Spirit does for us in our lives, okay? All right. There's two pictures I want to to describe here. The first picture is this, is the Holy Spirit as a seal that marks us. Okay? That's that's, that's what I want to talk about right here. Have you ever seen an envelope like what you've got right now with one of these decorative seals on it? You may have seen them here or there. It's a thing where you drip wax on here and you put a little stamp on it and, you know, and that's cool. 
sometimes sound like a bumper sticker and you don't think, dwell on that for a little bit this week. Just think about it. Think about what we're talking about here. Go back and read this stuff. Read Ephesians, first half of Ephesians. Think about all of this. You're a part of God's family. So anybody that thinks anything otherwise about where you've been or where you came from or your heritage or legacy or that, you're a part of God's family. Don't let those wrong words come out. So, and you'll see there on your uh, on your handout. So now sealing after ownership, so ownership's one thing. Sealing also stands for protection. When God when, when God put the seal of the Holy Spirit on you, that also gives you spiritual protection. And so this envelope we're talking about that it uh, it protected it. These seals protected it on its journey from wherever it originated from to its destination. It was a a thing that protected that document. So now, I mean, we're at the point where I think I've got to the place where I think a lot of people are saying, Pastor Billy, what, what, okay, what's the point? What does all this mean? I want you to hear this and hear this very clearly. God has put his spiritual protection over our lives because he has put his spirit into our lives. I'm going to say that again. Because on every head, a lot of heads were nodding. I want every head to nod at this time. Hear me. God has put his spiritual protection over our lives because he has put his spirit into our lives. And it's up to us to walk in that. So God is saying through all of this, he's saying clearly and unequivocally, I am with you in every circumstance. I am with you in the highs and the lows. I'm with you on the mountaintop and the valley. I'm with you when you're crossing the river, whether it's raging or whether it's calm. I'm with you in the storm. I'm with you in the calm. I'm with you in every circumstance because I have sealed you with the Holy Spirit. I am always with you. That is something you can count on. And it's so, so powerful. And so the second thing in verse 14 in that passage that we just read. So the next part now in verse 14, that gives you ownership of the sealing. We've talked about the seal, the ownership element of it, the protection element of it. Now, in verse 14, it says this. That the Holy Spirit is a deposit. The Holy Spirit guarantees our inheritance. Sometimes you read these things and you just skip over these words, man. All of this stuff means something. Listen to this. Verse 14 said, The Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance. That's what the scripture says. In terms that we use, Paul is writing here. He's saying that, like, the, the, uh, the Holy Spirit is like God's down payment, if you will. I hate to use that example, but it is But it is like that. It's like a down payment in our lives. And, and what I mean by that is this. God is saying, look, I have this wonderful promise for you. I want to let you know that I am putting down a down payment on that promise. I'm giving you the Holy Spirit that guarantees it says, as a deposit, that's, that's the words that the scripture uses in that, in that uh, translation. So in order to let you know God's saying that this promise that I'm making you is real, that it's serious, I'm going to give you something, I'm going to give you this deposit, this deposit that guarantees. So what did he do? What did he give us? He gave us himself through the Holy Spirit. We talk about the Holy Spirit, we won't get into all of this in the... The, the, the Trinitarian part of all of this, but the fact is, God in three persons, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. 
the Holy Spirit that He has given us, that He has sealed us, the Scripture says we just read, He sealed us with the Holy Spirit. That's God. That's God in all that He is. That's God's Spirit being sealed in us. Do you get that? That's big. Somebody, we talk about the Holy Spirit. But we sometimes I, I know all of us mostly do, but I'm just saying we don't just, just dwell on it. That's God in all that He is dwelling in us by His Spirit. Woo! Man, that's big. Sometimes I've heard people say they think the Holy Spirit is not equal to God the Father. Well, I'm just telling you, there's <laughs> some out there, man. I mean, I, I, it, it, it is God. It is God. And He's sealing us with the Holy Spirit. That is so awesome. So, He's putting us down payment. He's guaranteeing us. He's given us himself through the Holy Spirit, the promise that Jesus made. But the depth of God's commitment to us, now listen to this, the depth of God's commitment to us by doing that is almost, in, you can't even fathom it. It's hard to get your arms around how deep that commitment is to us. So, if you look at the positive, too, I mean, I, I could say this, but you know, if you look at a deposit on a house, I know we have many realtors here. You make a, you go have a contract. That's a promise. Contract's a promise, basically. It's a promise between one party that's going to do one thing and this other party's going to do another. And you enter into this agreement and you put down a deposit. And that deposit, if one party or another, particularly if the, if the, if the, if the one party doesn't fulfill their promise, what they said they were going to do, they lose their deposit. I know there's extenuating circumstances and there's contingencies. I'm not talking about real estate. I'm just trying to give you the idea of what that is. It's like that deposit is lost forever if you don't fulfill your terms of the agreement. It's gone. But see, so because of what God did, what we just said, God has guaranteed your salvation. He's guaranteed my salvation with nothing less than himself. That's a deposit that God has no intention on losing. He's not going to lose that deposit, folks. He's put that down just to guarantee things, but he's not going to lose it. And that's how deeply, this is really important, I believe, is how deeply, how serious, how meaningful it is that he assures us that he will never take the Holy Spirit away from us. That is huge. Amen, Pastor Billy. <laughs> I'm not looking for a compass. No, I'm not looking for any say that that is, that is such an assurance that we have because he's put that deposit of himself. He's not going to lose that. So what does that mean? I believe this. Now this is how I see it and I hope you will see it this way too. It doesn't matter how old or how young you are. This means, this guarantee, this deposit that he's not going to lose, what the result of that is this. It allows us to take more risk in our faith. Nobody worry about going to witness to somebody because you're worried about and share the gospel with them and share what God's done for you because I don't know what they're going to say. I'm worried about Take some risk. Take some risk. You're guaranteed an inheritance, guys. You've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. Take some risk. You can live. I'm not saying go take risky things and other things that I'll make sure. I'm not saying be reckless. I'm saying you can take more risk in your faith. And I believe because of God's promise, God's seal, God's deposit, all of this, that we can live 
pursue what he wants, we can live a blessed life. His protection, his truth, his safety. And you know why he does all this? Why all these blessings that we talked about in our praise team as they become as we wrap up, all of these blessings that we've talked about here for a couple of weeks and today, why does God do all that? What is the purpose of it? What God does it all, all of these blessings of us, you know what? Because he does it to show his glory. And this is an important thing to understand. The word glory is used 295 times in the scripture. Find it. Depending on what translations you're looking at, but that, that's, that's a number. It's talked about on numerous occasions again and again. Now in the Old Testament, you know, God's glory was shown in a lot of places. It was shown in the plagues when uh, when when, uh, when Moses went to to, uh, to to free the Israelites from slavery. It was shown in the plagues and the and the uh, and the parting of the Red Sea. And in fact, uh, I believe it's Exodus 14 or 15, the first uh, verse four or something. It says it was just and it showed the glory of God, showed God's glory. You can see all that in Exodus. Shown when he when he spoke in the fire in, in the book of Deuteronomy, it was shown in the burning bush when 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 the burning bush was was speaking and Moses heard it, his glory was shown there. Psalms nineteen one says this: the heavens declare the glory of God. Nineteen one. Why? But think about that for a moment. What does that mean? The heavens declare the glory of God. Have you ever thought about when God created the universe? By the way, a universe that even the most liberal and ungodly and atheistic scientists and astronomers say they cannot measure, they don't know where the end of it is, they don't know where the beginning of it is, and so they have no way to project how many stars there are, but there are trillions of them that they already know about. Trillions, not hundreds, not thousands, trillions that they know about, the rest of them they don't. That's the God that we serve. The word says he spoke the stars into existence. Stars. And there they were, all through the universe. Trillions and trillions of stars, and we can't even see them all. When you look up at the sky at night and see just those little smattering of a few that you can see, and how marvelous that is, that is declaring the glory of God. Declaring His glory, His power, His sovereignty, His awesomeness. Says the gods, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. So the Old Testament also, you see God's glory described as a cloud. There's a cloud, and it's like an amazing, powerful-looking cloud. And it was the people knew that that was an expression of God's power and His glory. So God's glory is in the Old Testament, but also is in the New Testament. Now, listen, this is really. Seen differently. God's glory is seen differently in the New Testament. It's not seen in a plague or parting the Red Sea or in a cloud. It's on your handout. You can fill this in right here. God's glory is seen in you. It's seen in me. If we are in Christ, God is glorified. You are a breathing, living opportunity for people to see the glory of God. Now, I know you're not perfect, and I certainly know I'm not perfect. We are not perfect, nor do we claim to be, and nor will we ever be, frankly, on this earth. 
through lust, not through acts and miracles. It can be, but that's not the primary way. So I want to sum this up. Just wrap it up, what we talked about. I want to say these things and just I've got the whole list. We'll get that in a minute. You are blessed. If you are in Christ, you are blessed. You can't get around it. You can't say, well, they're blessed and I'm not. You are blessed. I've got, talked about it for three weeks now, three Sundays. You are blessed. And what I'm asking you to do is believe it. Live it. Rely on it. Have confidence in it. Declare it. And, and just say, I am blessed. And remember, I'm going to have you say that with me. And I want to hear it, people. Say it. I am blessed. Say it again. I am blessed. Declare it to the glory of God for His glory. I am blessed. Praise God that we are blessed. And you can see on your hand out there where it says, you are blessed with God's gift. The scripture talks about this. All of the gifts that He's given us, you are blessed with God's gifts. You are blessed by God's grace. And you are blessed. Bless for His glory. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget that, that you are blessed with God's gifts. Don't ever forget that you are blessed by His grace. Don't ever forget that you are blessed for His glory. Let Him be glorified in your life. And all the people around you, let Him be glorified. Bow your heads with me in prayer. If you would, Heavenly Father, I just, I thank you that we are blessed and that you have blessed us. Thank you for your gifts. Thank you for your grace. And thank you that all of these things that we talk about and all of the things that you want to do for us and are doing for us is for your glory. I thank you for our inheritance, for the riches that you have decided to store up and pour out upon us. We're undeserving. I know I am. But we recognize today, we recognize it's your love that gives us that. We recognize that because of these blessings, we can live out our lives right now. And you will be glorified, and we will be blessed. Father, we pray this and just thank you for this and give you all the praise and glory today because as we sang earlier, you're worthy of it all. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. I want you guys to take these. Not now. You don't have to do anything with it. Take them home and open them. Don't open them now. Take it home when you get home and open it. And I'm not going to go into what's in it, but whatever's in it, this is just to remind you this right here. You're sealed. God has sealed you with his Holy Spirit. The Scripture says that you're protected. You're owned by him. You're bought with a price. Let that remind you of this. Keep this envelope, baby. Take what's inside and decide what you might do. Put it on a refrigerator. Keep it in the leaf of your Bible. Put it somewhere, maybe where you see it, what you'll say. And repeat that to yourself day after day after day. And so if you'd stand with me, please, I'm going to just call our benediction. We're going to sing. Again, because of COVID-19, we have different ways that we're doing our service now. But I will tell you, 